you know, this week I'm talking about the power of words, and, and my guess is we can all remember times in our lives where we, we've said something, and the minute we said it, we, we wish we could take it back. In fact, you can almost see the words in slow motion going out. You do anything, right, to get them back, but you look into the face of the person that you spoke the words to, and you realize, too late. The damage has been done. And then I think we've probably all experienced the futility of saying, hey, I want you to know I didn't mean it the way it sounded. But you know what we've never heard? We've never heard someone respond, oh, if you didn't mean it the way it sounded, then I'm okay. You know, we've never heard that. Because once they're out there, the damage has been done. And my guess is those are maybe some of the most embarrassing and some of the most painful moments in our lives. See, good or bad, words are powerful things. I mean, if you want to really think about it this way, for most of us, our self-esteem, who we are today, was shaped by the words of our parents. As parents, we are in the process of shaping the self-esteem of our kids by just using our words. Our confidence at work is often shaped by the words of our bosses. And it's because words are powerful things. As we're going to see in the book of James, James says they actually shape the course of our lives. For example, maybe in your past, you remember a situation where you were invited to do something, to be involved in something, and you said yes. Looking back now, you wish you would have said no because saying yes, it shaped the course of your life in a negative way. Or maybe you got into an angry conversation with your friend. You said something angry or they said something angry to you. And maybe in just a, a few seconds of an exchange of words, it destroyed a relationship that had been a lifelong relationship. But you know, when you think about it, in the same way, some of our greatest joys in life also revolve around words. Maybe it was the first time someone said, I love you. I'll never forget when I told Laura those words, three words. I, I didn't say, I love you. I said, I think I love you. I needed an out in case she started laughing or something, right? <laughs> but when she responded, I love you too, I'll never forget at that moment how I felt. Maybe for you, it was when your husband said, will you marry me? Or maybe it was when your wife said, honey, I'm pregnant. I'm, you remember how you felt? Unless she then followed up by saying, it's not yours. See, <laughs> see, power of words, totally different emotion going on there. Words are powerful things, and we know that. Well, this weekend, we're going to look at a passage in the book of James where James talks about the power of words. Uh, but what's interesting is, thanks to social media, it, it's no longer just our spoken words that carry so much impact and power. We also have to include written words, things that show up on Twitter, things that show up on Facebook, emails that we send. In fact, I think that our written words have the potential to do more damage because, let's be honest, we have a lot more courage hiding behind a, a screen and a keyboard, don't we, right? And we say things and hit the send button. We're like, what were we thinking? So we have to talk about all of it this weekend. But, you know, according to Jesus, the problem isn't really that, you know, four-ounce slab of mucous membrane, you know, that we call a tongue that kind of hides behind our teeth. That, that's really not the problem. It's not really our fingers. It's not even our thumbs. You know, you know what Jesus says the problem is? He says this really is a heart problem. Listen to what he said in Matthew chapter 15, beginning in verse 10. Jesus called the crowd to him and said, Listen and understand. What goes into someone's mouth does not defile them, but what comes out of their mouth, that is what defiles them. Verse 17. Don't you see that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and then out of the body? But the things that come out of a person's mouth come from the heart, and these defile them. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slanders. These are what defile 
the heart, a person. So Jesus says it really is a heart problem. The tongue is just the messenger boy that kind of carries the words from the heart. The same could be said of our fingers and our thumbs. You know, they just reflect what's actually going on in our heart. So we don't want to be too hard on the tongue this weekend, though it can take a licking. I just wanted to get that in there. That's as funny as it's going to get today. This is a heavy one. Jesus says it really is a heart problem. So if you have your Bible, James chapter 3, if you don't have a Bible, you can follow along on the screens. Uh, but this is just really a wake-up call this weekend to remind all of us as Christians the power of our words. James begins by giving a warning to teachers in chapter 3, verse 1. He says, not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers. Again, he's talking to Christians. Because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. So James begins by saying, listen, if, if you're going to be a teacher... You need to understand that you're going to be held accountable for what you say. You're going to be held to a higher standard. That means that every time I get up here and teach, I imagine that my, maybe God is, is taking notes, and he is going to hold me accountable for every word that comes out of my mouth. Now, you've listened to me. I am not in a good spot. You know what I'm saying? I am praying that mercy does triumph over judgment, right? But then he goes on and says in verse 2, we all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. So James, he makes this amazing statement. He says, let's be honest. Even as Christians, we blow it in all kinds of ways. We stumble in what we do. We stumble in where we go. We stumble in what we say. We stumble in what we look at. But James says, man, if you could just get to the place where you could restrain, if you could control your words, James says, you've pretty much arrived. That's about as perfect as you're ever going to get on planet Earth. Because James says our words are the most difficult thing in our lives, in our world, to control. In fact, he goes on to say in verse 3, When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. And I've, I, you know, I've spent a lot of time riding horses growing up. And, and when we were in California, I rode quite a bit. And I'll never forget one time we had friends out, family out visiting from, from North Carolina. So we decided to go up to Lake Tahoe. And uh, we decided to go horseback riding. And there wasn't a trail guide. There wasn't even a trail. They just put us on horses and sent us out, you know, riding through the meadows up into the hills. And uh, the boys at that time were like 7 and 10 years old. And it just amazed me how, you know, at the ages of 7 and 10, they could sit on a 1,200-pound animal and how they could control that horse because of the bit that was in his mouth just by moving the reins to the right or to the left. Uh, Laura, not so much. Laura, Laura has not had good luck with horses. There's something about Laura and horses. In fact, one time in Southern California, uh, we went out horseback riding up through the canyons, and uh, she had a, just an old nag because she didn't really like horses. And, and we hadn't gone 100 yards, and I heard her say, what is this horse doing? And I turned around, and the horse literally was getting down on its front legs, and then it started to go down on its... I said, honey, the horse is going to roll you. Jump off. Jump off. She jumps off, the horse gets up and starts trotting after her, and she is hiding behind a tree. I'm not laughing at her, I'm laughing with her. And, and this horse is trying to bite her, and she's trying to keep... It was the funniest thing I've ever seen in my life. Now, she's not here, but... Uh... So James says this, uh, unless you're Laura, if you can just control the mouth of the horse, you can control the whole horse. And then he gives us another example in verse 4. Take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they're steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants it to go. Maybe you've been on a cruise ship. They're huge. 900 feet, 1,000 feet long, hundreds of tons. But no matter how large the ship is, this small rudder, by comparison to the ship, controls the course of the ship. That's what James is saying. Likewise, verse 5, the tongue is a small part of the body, 
but it makes great boast. Look at that phrase there, it makes great boast. He's saying the tongue has incredible potential. In fact, I'm going to list of some things that our words have the potential to do. Our words, when you think about it, get us our job. A lot of whether or not we get our job is based on how well we can interview. Our words get us our spouse. Our words get us dates. Our words get us friendships. Our words, to some degree, determine how successful we're going to be in life. Our words determine how effective we're going to be as a communicator. Our words can get us out of a ticket. But at the same time, our words can land us in jail. Our words can get us expelled from school. And I could go on and on and on, but James says the course of our lives is determined in great part by our, by our words. And I think what James is saying is this. Hey, I've written you this book. I've written you this letter. If you don't listen or do anything else that I say, James says, if you could just learn to control your words, what comes out of your heart, you'd be in pretty good shape. Because your career, your family, your marriage, your relationships, they are all shaped by your words. And if you could just control your words, James says, do you realize how much better your life would be? If you could just control your words, do you, re do you have any idea how much easier your life would be? And it's because our words determine the course of our lives. And I think up to this point, all of this was an introduction. But then James shifts gears, and I think he gets to the real topic, what he wants to talk about. And he wants us to know this. Not only do our words determine the course and shape the course of our own lives, our words have the potential and the power to direct the course of other people's lives. In fact, potentially, we walk around, James wants us to understand, with a loaded weapon everywhere we go. We have the potential to destroy the lives of people around us. Often the people we love the most with just our words. Look at how James says it in verse 5. He says, consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. James says, just one spark, one match can burn down an entire forest. One spark, one match can burn down an entire city. It could burn down this entire building. In fact, years ago, uh, we, we lived out in, uh, when we lived up in the northern part of California, it was the Oakland Hills fire. And we lived about 10 miles away from it. But even at night, you can see the red glow of the flames against the hills. And it's an amazing. It, they say it started with one match or a cigarette that was thrown into some brush. The winds kicked up. That fire killed 25 people, injured 150 people, destroyed over 4,000 residences. And James is basically saying one match, one spark can do unbelievable damage in any environment that you bring it into. That's the potential. That's the potential. He goes on and says in verse 6, the tongue also is a fire. Notice this phrase, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire. That phrase there, a world of evil, it means there's no evil in our life that can't be initiated by words. And we know that's true. We remember listening to some of the speeches of Adolf Hitler. We realize wars can be initiated by words. Murders can be initiated by words. All kinds of destruction and chaos have been initiated just by words. And James says, in the same way, there's no limit to the hurt and the destruction that can be initiated by our words. I mean, think about it. You could destroy your whole family on the way home from church this afternoon with just your words. You could just destroy them. You could walk into work on Monday morning and just by unleashing the wrong words, you could end up being escorted out by security. 
By noon, your whole career would be shot. By 3 o'clock, nobody in the industry would ever hire you again just by using your words. I could ruin your reputation, just my words. Not truth, just words. You could ruin my reputation by just using your words. Not truth, just words. You could ruin the reputation of this church just by using your words. James says the negative potential of our words, it is limitless. It is a world of evil. But we already know that, don't we? Some of you, as you sit here this morning, you burnt down an entire marriage with just your words. Some of you have burnt down the relationship with your kids just by your words. Some of you have burnt down your career. Some of you have burnt down many friendships in your life just by using your words. Some of you, you've destroyed the people closest to you just with your words. I mean, we've all done that. You know what the problem is? We've figured out how to become excellent excuse makers, you know? I mean, even though we realize that our words inflict incredible damage in the lives of other people, we've, we've learned to say things like, but you know what, it really wasn't my fault. If they hadn't had, you know, or you know what, yeah, I said it, but I didn't mean to. Or you know what, you just caught me at a wrong time, I was angry. Or I've probably been drinking too much, I shouldn't have been doing that. Or you know what, yeah, I said it, I was just being honest. Or I inherited a temper. And so, so we burn down families, we burn down relationships, we burn down careers, we burn down reputation with just our words, but, because, but we never feel guilty about it because we're so good at excusing it and justifying it, and because we never feel guilty about it, we never learn anything from the losses that are left in our wake, and because we never learn anything, we never, ever change. So we're like, okay, James, you got us. What do we do? Well, unfortunately... <laughs> And this is interesting. James doesn't give us three truths or four principles to apply. Look, look what he says in verse 7. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. You know what James is saying? He says, I hate to break it to you, but there, there, there is no final solution to this problem. He says every species of animal has been tamed. In other words, there's no animal that the human race is being threatened by. But James says, unlike all of those animals, the tongue is an animal. It cannot be tamed. There is no final solution. There is no one, two, three. Or if you'll do A, B, C. James says it's a loaded weapon. And in your flesh, there's nothing you can do about it. He goes on in verse 9. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father. With it, we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. James says, man, are you kidding, Christians? We show up at church. We lift our hands. We sing things like, Jesus, I'm reaching for you. Nothing is impossible with you. I love you. I adore you, Jesus. It's all about you. Then we can walk out the doors, into the parking lot, get in our cars, and begin ripping on our spouses, verbally abusing our children. We go to work on Monday morning. We're negative and passive-aggressive. We curse at people who've been made in the image of God. James says when it comes to the tongue, it is completely, totally unpredictable. It is out of control. There is no solution. Verse 10, out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Verse 11, can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs, neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. James says, hey, it's, it's so much worse than you ever thought. 
There's nothing like this in all of nature. James says when you think about nature, olive trees produce olives, orange trees produce oranges, apple trees produce apples, freshwater springs produce fresh water, a saltwater spring is going to produce salt water. But James says you never have any idea what's going to come from the tongue. It is completely unpredictable. And then James just stops. He just ends what he's talking about as it relates to the tongue, and he goes on to the next subject. I'm like, whoa, whoa, James, don't stop now. Help me, James. I am a flamethrower, James. I need some help, right? He doesn't give it to us. He doesn't give it to us. He just moves right on to the next topic. But let me tell you what's going on as we sit here right now. Some of you men this, this weekend, you're, you're sitting next to your wives. Do you know what she's doing? Right now, she's praying that you're listening. You know why? Because she's a burn victim. And she is hoping, I am going to give a one, two, three, or an ABC application. She's hoping that I'm going to tell you what to do because she's hurting. Ladies, right now, some of your husbands are praying that you're listening because you're killing him. He leaves home, he drives home, he pulls into the driveway every day. He has no idea what he's going to face. He has no idea what he's going to hear when he walks in the door. One day the orange tree is producing oranges. The next day the orange tree is producing lemons. The next day it's producing onions. The next day it's producing Brussels sprouts. He has no idea what's going to come out of your mouth. He's a burn victim. Smoke's rising up. Parents, your kids come home from school. They have no idea what to expect. Are you proud of me or are you mad at me? Am I doing a good job? Am I doing a bad job? It is a totally unpredictable environment. They're burn victims. And right now, you know what your kids are thinking? They're hoping I have some application that somehow is going to change the dynamics of your relationship. And that's what we want from James. It's what we, it's what we really need from James. But he doesn't give us any. He just changes the subject. And I know that there are other passages in the Bible that talk about the tongue, especially in Proverbs. But James's is unique. I'm like, what is he doing? Why didn't he, why didn't he tie some of these principles and application in? This is what I think James is doing. I think James is doing uh, what our driver's ed instructors used to do when I was in school. I'm pretty sure it's not politically correct anymore. But in the old days... Um, when you were finishing up driver's ed, you know, you'd gone through the manual, you had driven with the instructor, maybe you had the brake so you didn't kill him, you know, and, and after you'd learned a three-point turn and parallel park, the last day they would put us back in the classroom and they would show us this film that had been produced by the Highway Patrol. I see some of you nodding your head, right? The film was nothing more than a series of, of car accidents. How many of you remember, some of you are old enough to remember that? Good stuff, right? You'd see mangled cars with bodies hanging out and parts of bodies on the side of the road. And the narrator, he would tell you about the accident. Oh, this person was speeding and lost control. Or this person was, was, was impaired by alcohol and crossed the center line and hit a semi head on. And this is where his head went through the windshield. And this is where his brain ended up. And this is where his arm ended up. And this is where his leg ended up, right? Now you have to rent this stuff. See, in the old days, driver's edge, you get to see this stuff for free, right? So, you know, different times. But I had to fly to Dallas for a meeting this week, and Laura was with me. And you know what I told her? I said, I still remember that stuff. I can still see those scenes. So 
So we'd sit there and, and when we, we'd watch the movie and when the movie was over, the instructor, who in my case was Mr. Bass, I'll never forget Mr. Bass, he turned on the lights and he would say, congratulations, you have now completed driver's ed, good luck. And I remember, I don't know if you ever saw The Passion of the Christ in the movie theater. Do you remember how quiet it was when everybody walked out? It was kind of that same feeling. We're just walking out. I mean, we're like in shock and stunned silence, right? But do you know why he showed us the film? It was to plant deeply in our brains, driving is a great thing. But with driving comes responsibility. And I think they wanted us to understand this is what happens if you fail to take responsibility as a driver seriously. And in this passage, I think James maybe is just giving us some information that, yeah, there's nothing to apply. Maybe it's something we just need to review weekly. Maybe for some of us for a while, we need to go back and review it even daily. He's saying, hey, listen, communication, it's a great thing. It can steer your life into some wonderful experiences. But don't ever forget, don't ever forget, your words can be destructive. And don't forget that every moment of every day, you have the potential to do irreparable damage to someone, anybody in your vicinity. You have the ability to burn down a marriage. You have the ability to burn down a relationship. You have the ability to burn down a business. You have the ability to burn down this church. You have unbelievable negative potential. And James says, it's never going to go away. You're going to live with that potential every day of your life. So I think James is saying, and maybe this is the application, every time you open your mouth, every time you pick up the phone to make a call, every time you begin to text someone, every time you sit down in front of your computer, remember the potential of your words because not only do your words determine the course of your life, your words have the potential to wreak havoc in the lives of those around you, especially those you love. And so James says to us who are Christians, hey, if you really want to apply your faith, if you want to put feet on your faith, then you've got to live every single day understanding your negative potential. And at some point, at some point, you need to own the consequences of what you've done and said. So maybe the one point of application I want to leave with you this weekend is this. In our earthly relationships, Get ready to say a lot. I'm sorry. Just be prepared. You're going to need to say those words a lot in your lifetime. I am sorry. Some of you men, I'm just telling you, you need to go home and say to your wife before it gets anywhere near Super Bowl. <laughs> you just need to look at her and say, I, I burnt you pretty bad. No excuses. I'm sorry. Let me just tell you, if you would for just once, just once, take responsibility for the fire you began in your relationship, if you would just do that, forget flowers, forget can if you would just do that, it would least release a dam of emotions in your wife that would go miles toward healing and restoring and reconciling that relationship. Some of you women are wicked with your words. And you excuse it because I, I talk to you. You say things, it's just the way I am. Or I'm British. Or I'm German. 
I'm, I'm just Italian, you know. I'm from Fuquay, whatever it is, whatever it is. <laughs> I've heard women say, well, my mom was that way. I bet Eve was that way. I had a couple in my office one time, and you know what she said? It's his fault. He shouldn't be such a wimp. He ought to be, a, ought to be able to take it, right? And because of that, you've burned your husband. And you wonder, why doesn't he rush home from work to see me, you know? For some of you, when you get to work on Monday, you need to talk to a coworker, maybe a boss, maybe an employee, but you went way too far in a conversation, or maybe it was in a meeting. You burnt down a relationship, a potential friendship. You need to take responsibility for what you said. Let me tell you something. Children, kids, <laughs> your words, they carry heavy weight with your parents. I'll never forget when my kids were younger in, in school and when I got in trouble and the teacher called me and after I finished talking to her, I said, put him on the phone and she put him on the phone and I was giving him my little come to Jesus talk and she said, I can't believe you sided with her. Why would you side with her and not me? I'm like, well, you're a little liar, you know? He's possessed, they're all possessed by Satan, you know, from 13 to 16, for sure, maybe to 18, I'm not sure. <laughs> And I'll never forget, he said, you're the worst dad in the world, right? Now, teenagers, we, we kind of deal with that. We sometimes even expect it. But you know, when I heard those words, it was, I was at home that day. I filled up the tub and just sat in it in the fetal position, probably for a good hour. See, kids, you have no idea the impact that your words have on your parents. And as kids, I think there's a tendency to have the attitude, well, there are people and then there are my parents. It's different with my parents. No, it's not. James says your words are fire. And, and if you've caused fire damage, the least you can do is say, Mom, Dad, I am sorry. I am responsible for the flamethrower in my mouth. Please forgive me. Maybe it's an ex-spouse and you've been a flamethrower with your children against your ex and your words have damaged the hearts and the souls of your children. I don't know where it is. Where's the fire in your life? Now, here's the big question. Are you willing to take responsibility? Are you willing to have that conversation or write that letter or make that call? Because I got to tell you, I'm sorry, it's my fault. Those words have incredible healing power. And I know because James has warned us that our, our words certainly have the power to hurt and destroy. But they can bring healing. I want us to bow for just a second and... I want, I want to just close your eyes and I'm going to let you out of here in just a second. But let me just close by asking you a question. And I want you to just think about this because this is a book that's written to Christians that we can apply and it can change our lives, but we got to apply it. What if we approached all of our relationships understanding this destructive potential of our words? Every day we begin to pray, pray just like James said earlier, God, help me to be quick to listen, but slow to speak. God, give me through your power the wisdom to understand the impact of my words before they ever leave my mouth. You know, I said earlier that in your flesh, you're going to battle this every day, and you are. Remember what we talked about earlier in James? There's the soul, there's the tangible, the intangible, and there's this tension, this battle raging every day. 
And there are days that we want to live God's way, and then there are days we just have our rights, and we want to express what's on our mind, and we want our pound of flesh, right? And if we don't stay under the control of the Holy Spirit, we will inflict incredible damage. If we approach all of our relationships understanding the destructive potential of our words, you know, let me ask you a question. Would that change your home? Would that change your family? Would it change your reputation at work? Would it change things with your roommates? Of course it would. James says, man, it'll, it'll change the course of our lives. So James just wanted us to understand the battle's never going to go away. And what we need is the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit as he continues to conform us into the image of his son, Jesus Christ. All of our campuses were getting ready to take communion. You know, it's interesting, and Paul wrote a little letter to the church at Corinth, and in chapter 11, he, he talked about communion, and he gave a little warning, and basically it was this. If you know there's something in your life that you're doing wrong and you're, and you're not willing to confess it, he says, don't take communion. Dangerous. Now, the, 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 the answer is not to take communion. The answer is to deal with the issue in your life. This is what he says beginning in verse 28. A man ought to examine himself before he eats of the bread and drinks of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without recognizing or appropriating the body of the Lord, in other words, what Christ paid for us to have this new life, this salvation, eats and drinks judgment on himself. Now look what he says. That is why many among you are weak. He says some of you are sick because you're just like walking all over what Jesus Christ has done for you. Some, a number of you have even fallen asleep. He says some of you have died because you've been living with the sin in your life. You would confess it, but yet you're a Christian. But he says this in verse 31. If we judge ourselves, in other words, if we see ourselves as God sees us, we are judged by the Lord. We are being disciplined so that we will not be condemned with the world. He said, if you just take a moment and judge yourself, see yourself as God sees you, bring yourself into alignment with what God wants. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. But this is one of those sins that doesn't stop with just saying, God, I'm sorry. Because this involves other people, which means there's somebody in our life that we probably have to make a call, make a visit, write a letter, and say, please forgive me for what I said. They may be sitting beside you right now. And I would just encourage you, after you've asked God to forgive you, before you walk out, before you go up to get communion, just take their hand and say, I know I burnt you bad. I am sorry, please forgive me. Incredibly healing power, incredible healing power in those words. Father, thank you for loving us and that while we were yet sinners, you died for us. And I remember of Paul, what he says in Romans chapter 7, wretched man that I am, the things I want to do, I don't do, the things I don't want to do, I find myself doing, who can set me free? And then the very next words, therefore now there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. God, this isn't about you condemning us, it's about you pointing out these areas in our life where we need to grow, we need to change, we need to apply what we learn. May we come before you. May we come clean with those in our lives. And may we take the bread and the cup and rejoice in this incredible salvation that you've given us that gives us hope.
Even when James says, in the old body you're living in, there is no hope. But in Christ, in Christ alone, there's hope. Bring us healing in your name we pray. Amen.